0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is The Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back, copywriters, to The Copywriter's Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David Oh man, I'm just stoked. After last week's episode, you just left me wanting more. So, what are we going to be getting into this week?
1: Well, more books. So, let's start here. Copywriters are solitary creatures who spend large amounts of time alone. Yet, good ones understand a bit more about human motivations and behaviors than almost anyone else, including professional psychologists. Why is that? A lot of it comes from observation, and thinking. They think about what they observed, but more to the point, they're good at this because they have to be, Mm -hmm. or else their copy just won't work. So last week we talked about a core curriculum of books. People need to read, copywriters need to read. This week we're going to talk more about the advanced stuff. Um, A deep and possibly, i got to warn you, possibly disturbing survey of how and why people Do what they do. Stuff you need to know if you want to improve the response to your copy. Okay? So these words are especially relevant today. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So now I want to give this friendly advice about what we're talking about today, because it's a little different, even with all the controversial and provocative topics that we've had before. Of the dozens of books that I considered for last week's episode, and this one, the nine books I'm suggesting today are the ones that made the cut. Um, My advice is you may need to brace yourself a little before you start reading them, because no matter what else you know or have heard or believe, no matter how dark your view of human nature is, some of this stuff can still be scary, because as you start to find out how people really behave, and why they do, it will almost certainly shake up some of your cherished assumptions about humanity. But as a marketer, you need to know this anyway. As a copywriter, you need to know this anyway. So here are the three categories of books we're gonna talk about today.
0: Another warning, because I've read a lot of these books, and uh, some of these books I read before I actually got into marketing, Some of the stuff that we're going over is going to change the way that you look at society. It's going to change the way that you uh, that you look at politics, and it might even change your presumptions on free will. So just to add to that warning, um, some of the stuff is going to be very deep.
1: Yeah, I think we're on the same page because those are the kind of scary things that I'm talking about, Nathan. Okay, so uh, here are the categories of books. There's some books on persuasion. There's a book about story. And there's some books about the mind and learning. And let's just jump in. The first one is called How to Argue and Win Every Time. Now, this is by a lawyer named Jerry Spence. Jerry with a G, Spence. And he had some very hard lessons that he learned early on, but he learned them. He dealt with the pain, he faced the facts, and he changed. And if you are a person who fundamentally believes that the rational mind controls decision making and people are rational, I don't know if there are even any people left like that anymore, considering what's swirling around us in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But if, if you are you're you are like Jerry Spence was when he first started out as a lawyer, he found it was killing him in court. He was losing cases. And So he developed what you might call a more whole-brained approach to being a lawyer. This applies to copywriting, too, because, you know, there are people who are reason-why copywriters, who are basically factually based. This book clearly shows that you can be very factual, but still, that's not enough. And I would say, in some ways, this is a great book. In some ways, it's a hard book but it's incredibly valuable. It's it's worth reading and it, and it has nothing to do really with being a lawyer and everything to do with the way the human mind works in communication and what persuasion is really all about. So love that book.
0: What's scary about that is the legal system is supposed to be 100% about facts and law. And once you get into this guy's writings, you realize that That's just a very small portion of what's going on in the courtroom. There's been studies where they show uh, judges tend to have more favorable rulings for the same types of cases directly after they've eaten breakfast or directly after they've eaten lunch and tend to have more harsher sentences for the same types of cases as it gets nearer to lunch or nearer to the end of the day. So just the facts, whether it's in the courtroom or in your copy, is not nearly enough to actually win the case.
1: That's a great point. I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me a bit. All right. Now we're going to get into a scary book I haven't even read yet, but I've read enough of the author's stuff, and I did read a few pages in the entire table of contents. This is an important book. It's just coming out. I have it on order. It's by Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy, the cartoonist, and it's called Winning Bigly. Persuasion in a world where facts don't matter anymore. Okay? Winning bigly. Scott's a visionary thinker about persuasion. He's very controversial. He started predicting that Trump was going to win the presidency of the U.S. probably before anybody else. And people confused that with him saying he was for Trump. I think he's a conservative guy. I'm not sure he's for Trump or not. But what he was doing was he was analyzing stuff. He was bringing things to light about human nature and about persuasion that made a lot of people really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So why am I suggesting that somebody read something that might make them very uncomfortable? Because you need to know it. I mean, whether you use what you learn in this for your copy or not, there are other people who've learned this and are using it on you. And it talks about things, again, that that will disrupt your cherished notions of of how life is and how people are. It's it's and we're, and we're going way beyond fear and greed and and sales are emotional here. I don't know if you've read any any of Scott Adams stuff, but he can push a lot of buttons and he does push a lot of buttons in a lot of people. And I think he's brilliant. I don't know if he's always right, but I think he's identified some things that, you know, some of my friends on the edge of NLP have talked about, but nobody in public in the mainstream have talked about like this before. Yeah, one of my
0: clients, a guy that owns Capital City Farms out in Ohio, he turned me on to Scott Adams uh, early last year. And you're right. When everybody else was laughing about the fact that Trump was running, Scott Adams was one of the only people being like, uh, I could actually see this happening. And even I was laughing at it and, uh, was proven wrong. Scott Adams is definitely a very intelligent guy.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, now the third book is from an entirely different place than the other two. Um, And I think it's really important because I've found some unique stuff in this one. It's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, V as in Victor O-S-S. And uh, Chris Voss is a former top FBI hostage negotiator. He, I mean, he was the guy who went in and talked to the people who, you know, had a gun to the head of someone and said, we need money or bang goes the trigger. And he not only got people out, he got the kidnappers to reduce their ransom demands a lot, very often. Pretty, pretty amazing guy. And what's good about this is he breaks a lot of his techniques down into very simple and easy to follow steps. And some of them you can use directly in an email, directly in copywriting, um, you'll learn a lot about human nature from this one too. You would think that this is about, you know, some tough macho guy, you know, strutting around. No, just the opposite. You know, the 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 FBI approach is is very soft and gentle. And you know, it's it's backed up by Glock's. I mean, they're not necessarily, you know, harmless people walking around the park, but um the negotiation approach is very refined and they've found the things that work better than anything else. Okay, so that's the third one in the persuasion ones. There are many books on story. I've attended seminars, read lots of books, taught it. Um, this is the best thing I can suggest. It's a book called Wired for Story by Lisa Crone. What I like about this book is the author, Lisa, is both a truly world class okay. expert. On story, I mean, she's worked in Hollywood studios and she's worked with New York publishers. She's worked with big time stuff that appeals to the public. And she's also become quite a little expert. She's a real big expert in that stuff. She's not a world-class expert, but she knows enough on neuroscience, on how, that's why the book's called Wired for Story. I mean, it literally gets into how the nervous system and how the brain respond to stories and she's a great teacher it's it's an enjoyable book i i've read some of her other books for copywriters for now th- this one this book in fact one copywriter prominent guy i won't mention his name uh told me about this book he said you cannot tell anyone about it and for a year i had to bite my tongue and finally he said okay i'm going to release you now you can tell anyone you want I don't know why he was doing that, but he wasn't screwing around with me. He was serious about it. So as far as I know, and maybe I'm a gullible guy. All right, anyway, Wired for Story by Lisa Crone. The next four books are on the mind and learning. And this is important. The best copywriters I know have studied a lot beyond copy and sales and 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 simple psychology, they've they've gotten into the kind of things that these books get into. And when I'm working with my clients, my mentoring clients, I will bring these books in, too. Uh, Because as a copywriter, you really need to see the whole world through the lens of copywriting. Not every minute of every day, but when you're writing, you need to know more than simple salesmanship basics especially in an increasingly competitive world with um, you know uh, the attention of buyers being distracted at any given moment by so many different stimuli
0: i think also david one of the things that i've that i've noticed that is kind of like a similar trait between all of the really great copywriters that i've met is that even absent copywriting, this is the stuff that really drives us. Even if we weren't copywriters, we'd still be intrigued by this type of
1: stuff. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. It's, it's not like this is hard homework to do. It's like this stuff will be fascinating to most everyone listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a great point. Okay, the first one is called Mindset. One word, Mindset, by Carol Dweck. D-W-E-C-K. And again, these are all going to be in the show notes. So for a large part of my life, I was very frustrated with my family because I was into all these new and exciting things and ideas, and they were sort of, well, this is how we've done it. This is what the conventional wisdom says. This is how we're going to do it. And I couldn't get them interested in this book helped me understand that. Carol Dweck says there are two types of people in the world. There are fixed mindset people. They have a fixed mindset. And there are growth mindset people. They have a growth mindset. Now, a fixed mindset is like I was just describing. Well, this is how things are. Well, you know, I went to high school. I learned this. Well, I went to college. I learned this. That now, Now I'm done learning kind of thing. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little to make a point. But in and, and the growth mindset is, oh, wow, that's interesting. How could I incorporate this new idea or this body of learning into what I'm already doing? What else could I study that could keep me going further in that direction? And often when you're selling an education or a training product, you need to focus on the people with the growth mindset. And forget about the ones with a fixed mindset, and sometimes when you're selling um, to a very conservative market, you don't want to bring in metaphors about growth mindset at all, so understanding this distinction it's not just one of those there are two types of people in the world: people who say there are two types of people in the world and people who don't no this is this this one's serious and And even she is a Stanford professor, which is pretty impressive. But unlike a lot of professors, the book's real easy to read, real easy to read and and really well written. It's not dumbed down. It's just she's a clear writer. Okay, so that's mindset. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in LA's famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 ahead head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. The next one, wow, it's a fantastic book. I've, I've loved this book for years. It's called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E. And... This book has to do with getting good and getting better at what you do, whether it's copywriting or baseball. And I, I think he actually is a, a little league baseball coach, and he uses these principles in coaching his team um, or anything. It it shows why talent is not the deciding factor. Why. Talent will get you so far. Some, Have you ever noticed someone who's very successful, but they're not talented at all?
0: Oh, lots of people.
1: Yeah, well, they're using what Daniel Coyle describes in this book. And we'll get to that more in, in book number eight. Talent Code is book number six. And then that's the work of Anders Erickson.
0: I think the important thing to understand is a lot of times people say, oh, well, that person was just born with that innate talent and I could never do that. And between this and and book number eight, which I'm not going to spoil, it really makes a compelling argument for the opposite.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's true that there is such a thing as talent. Um, And I think in certain artistic endeavors, uh, music, for example, you know, really fine writing, literary writing, Talent's going to make a difference. But if you look at some of the best-selling authors, and I would say James Patterson is like a great example, like the best-selling novelist in in America, he's not a bad writer. He's a good writer. He's not a tremendously talented writer. What he is is a very smart businessman who's figured out how to scale up uh, a novel writing business the way you would scale up an ad agency, which is what he did before. He wasn't an ad exec. So um, a, a lot of that has to do with what's in this book. And it'll also show you, if you don't think you're very talented, how you may never be the best of the best in in the world, but you can get pretty damn good without even having to have a lot of talent. So anyway, um, th- that, that book, you should read it, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. Along the same lines, but in a from a very different perspective, is the book Mastery by George Leonard. Now, I know there's another book called Mastery by Robert Greene, which I've read. Uh, that's exhaustive and exhausting. And, yeah, if you like to read that kind of stuff, do it. But I, as a copywriter, I think the book Mastery by George Leonard is a lot more practical and to the point. It's simpler. It's leaner. He's He's a truly good writer, really, really gifted and skilled writer. Uh, He was a magazine feature writer when that meant something. And it will help you not only understand the process of getting better, but understand the frustrations and even the backslides and why you shouldn't generalize on one backslide to mean to think that you're hopeless because that's not, that's everybody goes through that. Plateaus, they're called. Uh, Very, very good book. Uh, He was also an Aikido master. And so he uses the martial arts as a metaphor in some cases. Okay, um, so that's number seven, Mastery by George Leonard. Number eight, this is the book for all the people who want to work with me and say, I want to be the best in the world. I want to be the next Gary ben I want to be top of the crop. This is the book you need to read to understand if you're really willing to do what it takes to get there. This book is about how... The Olympic champions, how the people who are known widely and publicly as the best in their field get there in just about any field. It's called Peak, P E A K, by Anders Ericsson, and he has a co author, Robert Poole, but Anders Ericsson is the key name here, and that's spelled E R I C C S O N. And Malcolm Gladwell popularized an idea called the 10,000 hour rule, which was not really what Erickson said, even though Malcolm Gladwell attributed that to Erickson. Erickson explains that. but And that was really for about three categories. I mean, to put 10,000 hours into something is almost physically impossible for most people once they're an adult. This is for ballerinas And violin and piano players who are starting when they're five, and for particular reasons of how difficult it is to get to the very top in those fields, it requires ten thousand hours. It it does require time. And the most important concept there are a couple in this book. One's the concept of deliberate practice, which has been around for a while, uh, which is a way of focusing on. The weakness in your strength, focusing on the few things that are holding your particular strength back from being better. And that kind of work is painful sometimes. And the second thing that's in there is the concept of mental representations. Mental, have, have you ever talked to an expert about something and you have a problem you couldn't figure out for the life of you? And that person hears you, thinks for a second, you do see a light bulb go off over their head and they say, oh, that's simple. You need to do blah, blah, blah. This, 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 this. Like they were saying, oh, of course, the sun rises in the east (laughs) at every day at the time we call sunrise. I mean, why can they do that? Well, I've never understood that before in very specific terms. And in this book, he talks about it. He calls it mental representations. That person has a mental representation of how to solve that particular problem that was driving you crazy
0: this is one of the books that you actually personally recommended me to read back when we were first starting talking about doing this podcast and i dived into this book i loved it i think uh one of the things that really stood out to me was when they were talking about uh people that were tone deaf that were able to learn how to how to recognize tones and actually compose and play music or people that had really horrible memories but through a particular type of practice we're able to learn to memorize incredibly long strings of numbers and the thing that i really came away from this book understanding in a level that i didn't really understand before is that pretty much anybody if they apply themselves to it can learn to do anything and can learn to be great at it whether it's in whether it's a, an innate or an inert talent that they have or not
1: yeah yeah it's it's very encouraging in that way and um just well worth reading it so it's called peak p-e-a-k peak the final book this can be real scary especially for people who are idealistic in any particular way the book is called the moral animal by robert Wright, and again i'll spell the last name when there are different ways to spell it or it's unusual R-I-G-H-T, Robert Wright, the moral animal.
0: Wait, R-I-G-H-T or W-R-I-G-H-T?
1: Oops, yep, (laughs) W-R-I-G-H-T. That's the right way to spell it, thank you. (laughs) Wow, this is, there's a new field that's developed in the last 20 or 30 years in the academic world, sort of twin fields, and and they are uh, evolutionary psychology and evolutionary biology. And you know, if you have issues with evolution, you might want to just set them aside long enough to read the book. It's not trying to, the book is not trying to convince you to abandon your religious beliefs. The, The point of the book is people behave in a certain way and there are reasons from nature and from our past. And even that we can learn from the animal world as to why they behave this way. Now, you don't have to read this book, you don't have to believe that, but I'll tell you, you'll find out so many things that will help you, not only with your marketing, but with understanding why some people fly off the handle or freak out. And the the moral animal, it'll, it'll open your eyes to things that you probably never thought about, and it's not always pleasant or sometimes scary. You'll understand human nature at a much deeper level. I'm in the middle of reading this book now. I want to share something that may ring a bell as to how and why this information is so important. I saw, I don't know if he goes by evolutionary biologist or, or he's a neuroscientist or, or exactly what he's called, what his category is, his name is Richard Heyer, H-A-I-E-R, and he wrote, uh, he's written a book that I have and still need to read, called The Neuroscience of Intelligence. But he was being interviewed, and he said that one mistake a lot of people are making is they think that, you know, because society has evolved, and some people believe consciousness is evolving, that our biology, our nervous system, our reflexes, our instincts are evolving. And he said, no, the brain absolutely has not evolved in that way. There are things like a predator detection circuit that we originally developed to see and respond to snakes and land based animals that attacked us and air based animals like birds that attacked us that can still get triggered by a threat. And that hasn't evolved. And there's another circuit that explains various kinds of ethnic cleansing. Totalitarian dictatorship regimes where uh, one government would try and literally eliminate or certainly push out people that didn't belong to a particular tribe. And that hasn't changed. It's still here. We may be able to use our conscious will to resist it, but it's inside every person. Now, as you're hearing me, you may not believe me but take a look around you, see what's going on. And I think a book like The Moral Animal, and specifically this book, because it's easy to read, it's well written, it's very thorough and uh, well thought through, and it was one of the first that opened the door to this whole idea of evolutionary psychology um, some 20 years ago, really. Um, uh, I I think it's worth reading. as a copywriter, understanding basic human motivations, fears, and desires at this most primal level in this much detail, it can really help you.
0: I think if you, you like you mentioned, just looking at societal uh, levels right now, the extreme amount of identity politics, both on the fringe right and the fringe left. Um, is a perfect example of the uh, of the clear evidence that we have not been able to cleanse this way of thinking from from our psyches a hundred percent yet
1: well the thing is it's not in our psyches it's it's at a deeper level it's in our brain stems it's in our neurology mm-hmm. it's like we we can't it's there best we can do is manage it
0: that's scary. And the other thing that I wanted to say was uh, kind of on that, maybe slightly related, slightly unrelated, is some of the books that you mentioned last last week's episode. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned some books, um, the uh, Scientific Advertising and uh, Breakthrough Advertising. Both of those books are over or close to 100 years old, yet nothing in them is outdated because... Maybe the bells and whistles, the shiny objects have changed, but the way people think has not, not in the last hundred years, not in the last thousand years, not in the last tens of thousands of years.
1: Well, that's true. Uh, with with one exception, Breakthrough Advertising was written in, in 1966, I think, so it's not quite a hundred years.
0: Okay, but still, with how quickly everything is evolving around us, the fact that the brain is not evolving at that same rate is is... Definitely, uh, testament to to uh, what you're saying.
1: You're you're right. And in in Claude Hopkins said that very clearly in scientific advertising. He said that I think he said that um, you know basic human psychology is true today, which was the early 1900s, as it was in the time of Caesar, which was about two thousand years earlier. Um, People confuse change in technology, changes in delivery platforms, changes in surface look and form with what's going on under the hood, so to speak. It's, it's still going on under the hood the same way it's been going on for a long time, at, at the most basic levels of desires and fears and concerns and um, responses. And so that's why this stuff's so important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest newbie mistakes that I see for marketers or for copywriters is is that chasing the newest thing. Oh, I've got to be on this new platform because their ads are getting a higher ROI or their ads are getting a higher click-through rate or we've got to use this um this new tool because it's when you implement it into your website, you get a 0.34% increase in click-throughs. And uh really what what i had to learn the hard way was it's not the new stuff that's going to make the difference it's understanding the foundational stuff
1: that's where you got to start absolutely and you do have to adapt to the new stuff but you you know as as i've gotten older i've become less and less of an early adopter uh i want to see if a new idea that sounds good actually works before i get really into it so Better to stick with the basics at at the start and make sure you have a good foundation. A good foundation will also give you like x-ray vision in a way. It'll, It'll help you evaluate things that other people can't see.
0: Nice. David, just another fantastic episode. A lot of these books, I'm going to have to go out and get, you're sending me to the poor house <laughs> with uh, these last two episodes, man.
1: But you'll be a very knowledgeable poor man. I can all tell right. You that. Well,
0: I appreciate it. I know the copywriters listening to the podcast definitely appreciate it. What do we have coming up next week?
1: Well, next week, I'm going to talk about how to write a lot faster.
0: Ooh, that's something that we could all use. So I can't wait. All right, David, thank you, copywriters out there. Thank you for your time. And uh, check out the Copywriters Podcast for more episodes. And we will see you next time.
1: See you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so you never miss an episode.